Hi everyone, welcome to Faith Community Church. We're so glad that you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn more about our church, you can check us out at woodstockfcc.com. That's woodstockfccfaithcommunitychurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Well, good morning once again. Today we are actually going to be finishing our series, that's the last time we'll see that video, uh, of this journey to the Emmaus Road or down the Emmaus Road uh, for the past, I think we're on week eight now, so the past seven weeks and week eight now, we've used this passage from Luke 24, I'll I'll read it for you in a minute here, uh, as a launching pad into this discussion about hearing God. Of course, this is not a standalone series, it piggybacks on the last one we did and on the one before that, and before that, and before that, going back all the way to September 2021. So it's been almost a year, can you believe that, where we've been talking about nothing except prayer, which is both sides, which is us talking to God, which was the first half. And now since, I think, uh, late January, we've been doing the second half, which is hearing God speak. And so this morning, as we close out this series, I want to highlight three things, three things that you need, three things that you have to know and practically experience if you want to hear God, and this is key, if you want to hear God in balance. And so we're going to look at three things today, and by the way, by balance I mean learning to hear God uh, by not keeping him in a little box where we limit how he can speak to us, that is we need to be open to receiving God speaking to us in whichever way he chooses to reveal himself to us, but at the same time, this is the balance part, having structure and guardrails in, uh, to help us discern what we hear. So there are three things that you need that you have to experience practically if you want to hear God, if you want to hear him in balance. Ready? The first one, the Bible. The second one is Jesus himself. And the last one is community. Three things you need and have to practically experience if you want to hear God and you want to hear him in balance. The Bible, Jesus, and community. Now the first two of those we've talked at great length, uh, not only in this series, but again, the series before and the series before, Uh, but they're important enough that I'm going to cover them again, a a little bit more condensed, of course, but we're going to talk about them again. But that last point, community, this is something we have yet to talk about. It's uncharted territory, so I'm going to slow down a little when we get there. Uh, But first, let me just take you once again. I want to go all the way through this story so it's fresh in our mind from Luke 24, uh, the Emmaus Road story, so Luke 24, 13 to 25. It says, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were walking, they were talking with each other about everything that happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked alongside them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. 
Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish are you, and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, and broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen, and he has appeared to Simon. Then the two told them what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you do speak and that you want to speak to us and that you show and reveal yourself to us. And Lord, we just pray now as we uh, dive even a little deeper into this topic about how you choose to reveal yourself, how you reveal yourself in your word, and how your word tells us that you continue to reveal yourself. We pray that we will have what Jesus said, ears to hear. Would you prepare our hearts and our minds now to hear from you? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you want to hear God speak, you guys should know the end of this phrase. You have to read the Bible. That's the first point and something we've talked about quite a lot over the last, I don't know, three months. I imagine when we first began to the flip side of the prayer series and started talking about hearing God. I imagine some people were pretty excited by it. I imagine uh, you, you, some of you probably thought, this is going to be great. We're going to dive deep into the supernatural, the mysterious, the unexplainable, and you're you getting excited for that kind of stuff. Uh, so maybe even some of the stuff we talked about last week. Uh, but as I said at the very beginning of the series, I'm going to say it at the end as well. If you want to hear God speak, you have to read your Bible. I know that's not the most exciting answer. We probably get a little more excited for the other stuff. But uh, this, though, while maybe not being the most exciting answer, it's probably the most important one. Because the Bible is the primary way we hear God speak. It's the primary way he reveals himself to us. And it's the primary way that we learn to recognize his voice in all of the other ways that he chooses to reveal himself. And, and in part, this is why I so love this story in Luke 24. I love the Emmaus Road story because uh, I think we want this encounter with God or with Jesus and we get excited by it. And usually by that, when we say we want an encounter with Jesus, we mean we want something big, supernatural, uh, emotion-filled event where, where it's just uh, completely uh, unmistakable, this obvious dramatic encounter with God. It's all about the mysterious and the supernatural, the unexplainable. But what we see in the Emmaus story, I love this, is that their encounter with Jesus begins not with some over-the-top, dramatic, emotion-filled, supernatural event, but instead with a Bible study. I love that. And so I hold fast then to what I've been saying uh, for months and months now. If you want to hear God speak, you got to read your Bible. The Bible serves as our guide. The Bible serves as our measuring stick. Uh, it serves as our guardrails. It's the external, objective, authoritative word of God from God. And we measure every other means of hearing God with Scripture. We measure it against God's word found in Scripture. But of course, with this, the caveats are we do need to be careful. And we went over these, so I, I won't linger here. We need to be careful that we don't become people who worship the Bible. There's a real danger in that in Christianity. I want to say this very carefully. I want to be very careful here. I want to say it clearly. The Bible is not God. 
We don't worship the Bible. There's actually a word for that in the Bible. It's called idolatry. We don't worship the Bible. So hear me clearly. If you read the Bible and you study the Bible and you learn all about it and you amass all this information, but you fail to meet Jesus, you've missed the point of what the Bible is all about. Jesus himself, he talks about this. People in his day were doing this. They're the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. And this is what Jesus says. This is John 5, 29. Uh, I have 40 here, but I imagine it's 29 to 30. <laughs> this is a short verse. It says, you study the scriptures. This is Jesus talking to them. You study the scriptures diligently because why? You think in them you have eternal life. But Jesus says, these are the very scriptures that actually testify about me. And yet you refuse to come to me to have life i got to be so careful here. I don't want you to mishear me and go away and think I have a low view of Scripture. I do not. I hope that's clear over these weeks. But we have to understand that the Bible does not give, grant, or have salvation. But all of it, from Genesis to Revelation, and as Jesus showed the couple on the road as he walked them through all of the Scriptures, it says, all of Scripture points to the one who does. The Bible does not give, grant, or have salvation, but all of it points to the one who does. And that is, of course, Jesus Christ which leads right into our second point this morning, which is if you want to hear God speak, then you have to have a personal encounter with Jesus. You have to know, not just know about, but personally, relationally know Jesus. Think, think about this. This is a good thought experiment. The, the people in the Bible, God's people, they, they, they already had God's written word, at least the Hebrew Bible at that point, right? They had scripture, but that clearly wasn't enough. They had God's word through the prophets and prophecies. That clearly wasn't enough. They had the God's whisper like Elijah up on the mountain or maybe Moses at the bush. They could hear God that way. They, they had that still small voice. They had God speaking in and through their consciences. They had God speak through the mystical, the dreams, the visions, all of those different things, including some really far out there ones. They had even God speaking through donkeys and writing on walls. They had all of these things, but clearly none of it was enough. And so, this is a quote from Pete Gregg. I have this one on the screen for you. Pete Gregg says it this way. He says, eventually, because they had all this and it wasn't enough, it says, eventually God's word had to become flesh. Not in a book, but in a body. Not in just mystically in heaven, but materially among us. So we need to understand, if hearing God begins not as mastering a skill, although there, there is uh, something that you can do if you practice and you work at it, you do get better at it. You, that is, you'll be able to hear God more clearly the more you work and practice. And yeah, you'll make mistakes along the way. That comes with the territory. But it doesn't begin as mastering a skill. It begins with meeting a master. If you want to hear God speak, then you have to read the Bible. And you have to encounter Jesus. Those are the first two points. And we spent a lot of time covering them over the last few months. And, and maybe you just feel like I've just been repeating myself over the last three months, and if so, and I, I am, I'll tell you that I am. I'm saying the same things over and over again, but I repeat myself because it's so crucial to understand, in particular, these first two points. We could spend months and years talking about all of the different ways that God could and does reveal himself to us and chooses to speak to us. We could get into the nitty-gritty, the minutia of the details, the mystical, the, the visions, the dreams, all of these different ways, but it would be a complete and utter waste of time if we first don't understand these two things. Number one, that anything you feel or sense or hear must first be grounded in Scripture before it can be declared a word from God. Because the Bible is the authoritative word of God from God, and it serves as our guardrails, and it's what we use to measure all other means of hearing against. 
And number two, that all of Scripture and every other way God chooses to reveal himself is about drawing us closer to him. It's about that restoration of that broken relationship that can only happen in and through the person of Jesus. So I want to make sure that the groundwork there is so clearly and firmly laid, especially now as we move on to that last point for today. Number three, if you want to hear God speak, you need community. If you take the Bible seriously, and uh, one of my little jokes, or we could say aphorisms is, I always say, uh, I'm one of those crazy people who reads the Bible and actually believes what it says. Because <laughs> a lot of people who really like to focus in on Scripture, and again, I have such a high view of Scripture, they refuse to believe what it says in reality. They, they will read it, they'll study it, they'll say, God can only speak in and through this book. God does speak. It's the primary way he speaks. It's the primary way we learn to recognize his voice. But as you read Scripture, it is clear God speaks in so many other ways. It's all throughout Scripture. And so I always say, I, I read the Bible, and because so, I believe what it says. And so I think God can speak in so many other ways. And so I take the Bible seriously. And if you do that, if you read the Bible and take it seriously, you look through Scripture and see the life Jesus lived here on earth, then this last point, this concept that we need community, should be inescapable. As you read Scripture, you will see this over and over and over again. We need community because we're called to do so many things to one another. I, I, I remember a couple years ago now, I don't remember when the series was, we did a series on the one another statements. Maybe you guys remember better than me. Uh, but we can't do those one another statements. We can't live them out in isolation. It doesn't work. We need each other. We need community because we're called to encourage one another, help one another, support one another, to show love and kindness and grace to one another. We're, we're supposed to keep each other accountable. And in no small way, this is what we're really focusing on, God uses us to speak to one another. Pete Gregg says it like this. He says, I'm sure you've experienced God speaking into your life through other people. Has anyone experienced that? Yeah. He says, perhaps for you it was a moment of great clarity as a sage gave you counsel or powerful preaching that set your heart on fire. I'm sure you experience that one every week. Don't worry. He says, or maybe it was a prophetic word that someone spoke directly into your life or simply an ordinary conversation that Jesus seemed to join as he did that day on the Emmaus Road. Again, one of those things I love about the Amaze Road story is how the couple encounters Jesus, not in this dramatic over-the-top, because that's what we expect, right? That's what we want. A dramatic, emotion-filled, we're just flooded with everything. It's over-the-top, it's unmistakable, it's obvious, but that's not how we see it in this story. Instead, we see God revealing himself, and they encounter Jesus in ways that we might dismiss as ordinary or mundane we noted already that their encounter began with, with Jesus, began with a Bible story, but that's not quite true. It, it first began with a very normal conversation. Jesus joined them as they walked and talked and began to talk with them. If you look at Acts 2.42, we get a description of what the early church did as they gathered together. It said they devoted themselves to three things. I'll, I'll read it for you. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and breaking of bread and to prayer. We see three things they devoted themselves to, right? The apostles' teaching, listening to someone explain the word of God to them. They were devoted to fellowship and breaking bread together. They met together. They shared meals together, and they were devoted to prayer. We see these three things modeled in the Emmaus story. I won't walk you through, but go back, read it. You'll see all three of those things happening. Uh, and of those three things that we see the early church doing and that we see modeled in the Emmaus Road story, I, I was thinking about it this week. I realized there's one of them, just one, that we can do in isolation or without community. And that right now is just listening to someone teach. 
being devoted to the apostles' teaching, listening to someone teach the Word of God. And honestly, we can only do that apart from community because of we live in a day and age of technology. That's the only reason. Uh, back in their day, they, they could not do that. They would have to go and gather and listen to someone speak, kind of like we are doing now. I want you to see, though, and understand that God speaks to us, not just through the Bible, not just through direct encounters with Jesus, but he does do those two, and those are the foundational ways that we need to understand for all the ways of hearing, but God also speaks in and through community. And there is something deeper and more meaningful happening when we gather together to learn, to grow, to share with one another, and to pray. So God speaks in and through community. And I think he uses others to speak to us in community quite frequently, probably more frequently than we notice. And I think we often miss it. And I think there's two big reasons why we often miss it. Number one, we miss hearing God in and through community because it sounds too familiar. It sounds too normal. We expect to hear God in the mystical, the supernatural, the out there kind of things. Uh, We expect to hear God in dreams and visions and people who have these big prophecies and say, thus saith the Lord. Uh, But when it comes down to the very ordinary and the everyday encounters, we often miss when God is speaking in those circumstances. I remember preaching at a church once. um, This is before I was here, obviously, and I I was preaching out of Philippians, and I was sharing about the surpassing worth of knowing Christ and how it's more important than anything else, not just knowing about him, kind of like we talked about today, but actually knowing him. And after service, I I went downstairs to their fellowship room where we had coffee. This, of course, was a long time ago, pre-COVID. We still did those things. And I was chatting with with this one guy at a table, and he, he was asking about how. How do I know God? What does that look like? What does that sound like practically? And I I remember talking to him at this table and suggesting to him, could it be that God is using the very conversation at this table right now to speak to you? Could it be that this conversation, not just what I'm saying, but others are saying, God is using that to speak to you, to answer your question about how he speaks. And for him, he he was genuine in his, his question. I think he really wanted to hear God, but the fact that God can and often does speak in the seemingly normal or ordinary particularly through others and community, that was a little too normal for him. So I think first we miss hearing God because uh, it can sound too normal when it's done through community. Here's reason, too, that we might miss God speaking through Christian community. And of course, when I talk about Christian community, I'm mainly talking about the church. The second reason we might miss God in and through Christian community is because we refuse to be part of one. I think this is a big one. Uh, I came across this Tim Keller tweet. This has happened a lot lately where I'm preaching on something and I see a Tim Keller tweet. I love Tim Keller. I follow him on Twitter, but I'm not a Twitter guy. I probably go on Twitter maybe once a week and it just so happens the last couple weeks, every time I go on Twitter, there's a quote from Tim Keller there that's really resonating with what I'm saying. So here's what Tim Keller said. I, I saw this this week. He said, everyone says they want community and friendship, but when that means accountability or commitment, people run the other way. You know, I think he really hits the nail on the head here. We all say we want community. We all say we want friendship. But we often shrink away from it when that means it'll cost us something, whether that's being held accountable for how we're living or whether it's some form of commitment. We don't want that. We we live in a very isolated individual age and time right now. And of course, COVID has just made it even more significant. We, we don't want to be accountable or have commitments. We want to live life how we want to live it. We want, we want to do it our way and we're happy to do it alone. C.S. Lewis, who, who you guys know I, I quite like. Of course, our son is named Lewis after him. Uh, C.S. Lewis, when he uh, was converted later in life, he, he was writing about Uh, some of the early days of being a Christian, and and he wrote this. He said, I thought that I could do it on my own by retiring to my room and reading theology. 
He just, in his early days of being a Christian, he thought, I don't need to deal with people, because people are messy, and I don't really like a lot of them. He had a lot of big opinions. He says, I thought I could do it alone. I'm just going to retire to my room. I'll read the Bible. I'll read about God, and I'll do that. But eventually, uh, he, 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 he realized he, he couldn't just retreat and study and learn about God. He eventually came to this conclusion that he actually needs community, and he writes about his experience of joining a, a community through a church. He wrote this. He said, I came up against different people of quite different outlooks and different education. Anyone meet someone at a church like that? Someone who's radically different? Maybe they vote the wrong way in your opinion. Maybe they have the wrong opinion on some COVID restrictions or not or something. You ever rub shoulders with people who are different than you at church? We're full of a lot of odd different people, and I mean that in the best possible way, I promise. (laughs) C.S. Lewis says, I came up against different people of quite different outlooks, of different educations. He says, and then gradually my conceit began peeling off. So I realized that the hymns, which were just six-rate music, he was not a fan. I realized that the hymns were nevertheless being sung with such devotion and benefit by an old saint in elastic side boots in the opposite pew. And then you realize that you aren't fit to even clean those boots. It is it, and he's talking about Christian community, it, Christian community, gets you out of your solitary conceit. This is great. Do you see what he's saying? He's, he's essentially saying, he, originally he's saying, because I don't like the style of music, because I, I don't want to deal with the people who are so radically different than me, I'm just going to avoid them and live out my Christianity in isolation. But he realized, and he shares a very key component here of why being part of a Christian community is so important. He says, as you rub shoulders who, with people who are so different than you, it, to use his words, he says, it peels off your conceit. That pride that says you know better, that you are better, that you can do it alone, you're better off alone. You know, we, we tell ourselves that, right? We say, if we, can, if we can just cut out the messiness of people and just get God, then I'll be so much better. You know, it's kind of a, a joke in pastors say, boy, my job would be easy if it wasn't for all the people, right? If we could just cut out the messiness of the people and just have God, then it would be better. But what we see in scripture is that not only are we designed and created for community and relationships, but that God uses it to speak to us. It is in community that our pride gets peeled away and we better learn to live that humble life that Jesus not only taught about, but so well modeled. And this is important, perhaps more important now than ever before. I just, again, think about all that's happened the last few years. Think about how COVID has impacted the church in the last few years. I, I can remember the very early meetings going back to March 2020 with church leadership, trying to navigate everything before there were actual rules, restrictions, everything, trying to figure out what do we do. Uh, and of course, eventually we were temporarily closed, and then we opened, and then we closed, and then we opened, and then we closed, and then we opened again, and in that time, we, we had to make a lot of adjustments. We had to change to, to meet these temporary restrictions. We went through a whole bunch of changes, eventually ending with what we are doing now, and that is we are now live streaming our services. We, we have a live stream, and our services are available to anyone, anywhere, and that's exciting. I'm excited by that, and what's exciting is people watch. Do you know that? Maybe you don't know that. I'll tell you. People watch our services. Uh, at, at the end of one week after streaming, on average, we have about 50 views for our service. That's pretty cool. And we're not a huge, fantastic, big, crazy church, and we got about 50 people. And, and I actually can look at the analytics, and I, I, I pulled them up this week. And since we actually began offering online services in March 2020, we've had just shy of 6,000 views on our church services. Like, that's something. That's cool. That's worth celebrating. I'm excited by that. But I, I began to think this week and in the weeks prior that what began as our temporary exception for extraordinary circumstances has become normal for many. 
By the way, I want to be so careful here. You know, I agonized and agonized over how to word a lot of this because I want to be careful here. So I want to make sure you understand I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. Uh, instead, I'm speaking about a bigger pattern and I think problem that I have seen and noticed in the capital C, bigger church out there, especially in North America. And just about every faith community is working through something like this right now. And so we, like many other churches, we started doing our services online. Why? Because we couldn't meet in person. We had to make an exception for the extraordinary circumstances. It was temporary, meant to allow us to try to foster some sense of community, to still do some sort of church together for the extra extraordinary circumstances of COVID. But the problem is, so many have become so used to doing church like this that over the last years it has become part of their normal routine. Said another way, some have decided it is easier. Maybe they've decided it's better or just more comfortable. I used to do church in my pajamas. It was more comfortable. This is not as comfy as pajamas. I'm not sure I could uh, get away with preaching in pajamas up here, but maybe one day I'll try it. And if you say something, I won't do it again. But some have decided it's easier, maybe better, maybe just more comfortable to do church alone. They get to learn about God without having to deal with all the people. They can mute parts of the service they're just not big fans of. And if the pastor is saying something that's maybe a little too convicting, they can just turn it off or go to another stream. So they may feel like they're in a community, but it's a false community because it's one without accountability or commitment. They have decided, of course, they would never use these words, that they are okay to hear God in isolation. And I, again, we'll make some caveats here because I want to make sure you understand. Uh, I'm guessing some guards are going up for some people now who are listening, especially online. So understand, I'm not trying to push you further into isolation, but in fact, I'm trying to do just the opposite. I'm trying to encourage you into community. So here are the caveats. Number one, I already said it. Let me say it again. Uh, there's no finger pointing here. Uh, that rather, this is a general point for what I'm seeing as a pattern in the larger church. I, I'm not in the business of guilt tripping from the pulpit or emotional manipulation. You might remember way back when I started in, in 2019, I, I kind of made that commitment. I said, I'm not going to use information I have, insider information, to emotionally manipulate you out there listening. So I'm not in the business of guilt tripping. Instead, what I am in the business of is sharing truths from God's word. And I do that unabashedly, but I want to do it with grace and love as I share the truth. So I'm not going to beat you over the head with truth, but I want to make sure you understand and know what Scripture says and about how much God loves you. And what we see in Scripture is that God says you need community. So this morning, if you feel convicted, it's not because I'm using some inside knowledge to manipulate you. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Instead, if you feel that, that weight on you as I talk, maybe it's time for you to start talking to God about this and asking him if he is speaking to you through this. So that's caveat number one. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not thinking of specific people as I do this and hoping they're going to hear the secret message I have for them. Rather, I'm pointing out a pattern I've seen in the larger church. Here's the caveat number two. This is not just a call for those online to be part of Meaningful Community. You know, for those of us here in person, I don't want you to think you're off the hook here either. You can just as easily come in person and completely avoid community. So to you, my plea is the same. Be a part of the community. Make church priority in your life, not something to do if the schedule allows it. Don't just step in after service begins. Step out before it ends. Say hi to someone. Foster some sort of relationship. We're meant to do life together. In fact, maybe I'll challenge you this morning to go deeper, not just Sunday morning gatherings, but come when we start our, our, our life groups up in the fall again. I encourage you, join one. That's, that's an opportunity to go deeper in a more meaningful way as you go deeper in your relationship with God and you hear and share stories with others. You go deeper in your relationships with them too. Why do you need this? Because God speaks through others to us. 
we hear God speak through others, and we can only hear him through others when we join together in community. So whether you're joining us online or in person, the reality of what we see in Scripture is God says we need each other. We are built for community. We need one another. Proverbs uh, 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. What's that saying? We make each other better. Do you know that's true? You make me better. I hope you know that. You make me better. I, I hope in some way I have some influence on you too. But as we live out the one another commands in Scripture, we help each other become more like Jesus. This is part of hearing God and community. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It says, let us encourage one another. Let us be accountable to one another, helping each other be more like Jesus. Listen, you can't do that in isolation. It doesn't work. What's the prescription? The author Hebrews says, do not give up meeting together. You know, I, I'm a firm believer that getting the message of Jesus out into the world however we can, uh, anything short of sin to get people saved, right? I'm a firm believer in, in doing the live stream because it just gets the message of Christ out there. That's reason enough for me to keep doing it. You know, I also realize there are people who have legitimate reasons, whether it be health reasons or other, who can't come out in person. And that is reason enough to keep the live stream going. I realize that most people will watch a service online now before ever taking a chance on a church in person. It's kind of window shopping. And for me, that's reason enough to keep doing what we're doing. And I, I understand that there are many, many, for whatever reasons, they might have a hesitancy to walk in through the church doors. People who have questions about God, but they're too afraid to ask them. And they might choose to watch online and join online, where they can do it in isolation and anonymity. And that's reason enough to do it. But I also realize... Uh, this is one more. I also realize there are legitimate online communities. There are. I think you can do it. I think it takes a lot of work to do it well, but there are places that are able to offer legitimate online communities where people are gathering online together, but they're also accountable to one another. There's also a level of commitment where they have real relationships grow and thrive, but the reality that I, I've had to face over the coming months is our online service isn't there yet. Maybe one day it will be. Right now, what we can offer you is just essentially an archive of our service. It's something but it's not a relationship. And you can't have community without relationship. Now, don't panic. I'm not saying we're going to rip down the live stream and pull the camera down and delete all the videos that are up there already. But I also don't want to be the reason that you try to hear God in isolation. So here's my plea. Be part of a community. Leave the solitary conceit behind. How? By rubbing shoulders with others. Hear God speak in and through others. We all need community. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said it like this. He said, God has willed that we should seek and find his living word in the testimony of other Christians, in the mouths of human beings. Therefore, Christians need other Christians who speak God's word to them. Listen, if you want to hear God, as we end the series, this is what you need to know. If you want to hear God, and you want to hear him in balance, you have to do three things. You have to read your Bible you have to have a personal encounter with Jesus and a personal relationship with him. And number three, you have to be part of a community. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we can gather, that we can come. Lord, we're grateful for technology that allows us to get the message of Jesus' love out there into the world. We just pray then today, Lord, that you would speak your word so clearly into our lives, that as we gather together, 
as we form a, a community, a Christian community of believers, that you will use one another to spur us on towards love and towards good deeds, as it says in Hebrews, that we can uh, help shape one another's lives, that you can use the words of seemingly normal and mundane everyday conversation to be a source uh, of encouragement, a, a source of accountability. Lord, I pray even now for those who, who are living life, their Christian faith in isolation, I pray that you will help them find that community so that they do not limit how they hear you, but that we get a more full picture of your vocal range as you use others to speak into their lives. And now as we close the service, Lord, we just pray that you would speak to us as we take a moment to slow down and quiet ourselves. We pray that you would speak to us so clearly that there would be no mistake and that we are hearing from you. And so we pray that you would, uh, anything that's not of you, all other sounds and noise and music and words, anything that's not of you, that you would just silence that. We pray in Jesus' name, you'll silence all other things, even our own inner voices, so that in this moment where we take this time to come to you, to speak to you, but also to listen, that you uh, would be heard, that we would have ears that hear. And we pray, uh, then we pray, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to do just that, of course, at the end of service here. We do something called Take Two. This is where we give you two minutes to ask God two questions. This is not just a time of reflection. Maybe in part it's that, but it's much more. Why? Because we believe God speaks and what he says is worth listening to. So we want to give you opportunity to practice that. So we give you two minutes to ask these two questions. Question one, what is one thing you are saying to me? Ask God, God, what is one thing you are saying to me? Before I leave, what is the one thing you want me to know? And it's so important we go to question two, which says, okay, God, now that you've spoken to me, now that I've heard the one thing, what do you want me to do about it? What step of action or obedience are you asking me to take? So we're going to give you two minutes to answer those two questions, then I'll come back and I'll close the service. So we'll start the timer for you right about now.
Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Why don't you stand as I read the benediction, and then you'll be dismissed this morning. Would you receive the benediction this morning? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. I pray you go with his peace this morning. Parents, remember, you have to go down and sign your children out. We uh, can't keep them forever, so make sure you head down and sign them out. And we just are so grateful for your time this morning. Thank you for joining us.